Welcome to In the Queue. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm your other host. I go by the name Phil. Yeah, you do. That's right. It's the only name that I've known you by. Well, you're missing out because I have other more uh, more uh, verbose names, you might say. Such as? Such as Philip. Oh. It's like an extra syllable right there. I don't know if I'd call that verbose. Well, what would you call it? A couple of letters longer. Well, you might say a few. Uh, one, one more syllable. One more syllable. Yeah. Okay. That multisyllabic. Although it's one hundred percent more syllables, to be fair. Yeah. So that's not verbose. No, verbose is long-winded. Well, then maybe you could say my full name is verbose, including my middle name. I guess. Whatever. Let's just do the podcast. Semantics. Semantics. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is in the queue film conversations with Andrew and Phil, and you can find us by searching for that. If you want to look for us on Facebook, Mm -hmm. you can find us by searching in the queue film conversations with Andrew and Phil. You can do the same thing on iTunes and you can subscribe to this podcast, which we encourage you to do. Mm -hmm. And you can also find us at www.in-the-q, that's the letter Q, Q, dot com. Yeah, like like in Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Outer? Space. Space. <laughs> Outer? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, please, Mr. Kennedy. Uh-oh. Uh. <laughs> 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 yep. So we're here to talk to you today about another one of our listener choice films. Yeah. If you uh, are a listener of the show, you know that last listener's choice was... Saving Private Ryan, and it came from a list submitted by Monty, mm-hmm. who was in the UK and telling us that on Film 4, the only film channel over there, he had a list of six films that he was getting and they had to watch over and over and over again and couldn't see anything is, else and it was driving is, him mad. Is that not surprising? That's the only channel to watch movies? The television is pretty heavily regulated over there. Is it? It's yeah, it's really heavily regulated. Wow, it's owned. It's owned mostly by the government, right? I. I mean, the whole BBC is government owned. Well, we should probably ask Monty. Well, we can do that. Yeah. But in the meantime, we're just going to review the films that he told us he wanted to have reviewed. Well, certainly. I just thought it was kind of weird, you know. Yeah, it's a little weird. Well, he you know he was staying there, so maybe he just didn't have. He couldn't pay for extended cable or something. Who knows? Okay. Whatever. Anyway, the first film was Saving Private Ryan, which was probably the most critically acclaimed of all the movies on that list. Yeah, think. <laughs> and this week we're going to be talking about Your Highness. Yeah. Which was made by a very critically acclaimed director, Mr. David Gordon Green. Also known graduate. For, also known for The Sitter, starring well, Jonah Hill. That's true, but also known for George Washington. Yeah. And. All the Real Girls and Undertow yeah. and Snow Angels, all extraordinary dramatic films. Right. So he's a very sort of, I used the term schizophrenic earlier. His, his canon is versatile, some might say. Versatile. He seems to gravitate between low humor and high drama. Yeah, that seems, yeah, I would, I would say that that's pretty fair. Um, but we're going to talk about this, this movie mm. today, primarily. And uh, I'll give you a little short summary of it. Uh, it stars Danny McBride in the role of Thaddeus, mm-hmm. 
and James Franco in the role of Fabius. He's fabulous. He is fabulous, that Fabius. And then a host of supporting characters, including Zoe Deschanel as Fabius's love, Belladonna, mm-hmm. and Natalie Portman as Danny McBride's object of affection. Really nothing more than that. Well, if you could say love, uh, Isabel. And uh, the it concerns Thaddeus being sort of the inferior in the eyes of the entire kingdom and certainly in the eyes of his father, the inferior son. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fabius has spent his whole life going on great adventures and doing wonderful things for the kingdom. And Thaddeus has always been kind of the fool and has never done anything. He's never gone on an adventure. He's never done anything interesting. He's kind of dumpy looking. He has his mullet. You know, he, he, he's no James Franco. Yeah. He's, he's kind of, he's kind of a sissy boy. He's kind of a sissy boy. Yeah. Weak. Yeah. And, uh, and it happens that on the day of his brother's wedding to Belladonna, uh, the evil wizard Lazar mm. captures her and takes her off uh, to his lair so that he can bang her, basically. That's right. Because, because of a prophecy. Uh, and when I use a phrase like bang her, I do so because this film is so lowbrow. Yeah. That's really the only way to describe it. And the the rest of the film sort of concerns the quest that both brothers go on in order to go retrieve Fabius's bride-to-be mm-hmm. from the clutches of Lazar. Uh, and also, though, it's, it's, yeah. well, also Fabius, he, he wants Thaddeus to be on this quest because <laughs> Fabius wants his brother to, to do good. To, yeah, he loves his yeah, brother. He wants his brother to grow up and, and you know, be a real man, a real warrior. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's really about all that can be said about the plot because uh, the plot is sort of inconsequential. This is really just kind of a lowbrow stoner comedy. Yeah, it's about gags, really. Just a, It's really about a gags. A stream it's of gags. Setting up jokes and then delivering punchlines. Uh, most of them, which in my opinion, fall incredibly flat. <laughs> now, let me ask, is that, yeah. is that because the humor is too lowbrow or was it just poorly done lowbrow humor? I think it's a combination of both of those things. I think lowbrow humor can be brilliant when it's done well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it can be really fantastic. Um, but I think that in this case, it just simply isn't done well. I think the pacing is off. I think that the ideas aren't fully developed. I think the jokes are half jokes they're like half written or or they just they bail on the joke in the middle of a joke and just sort of go to the easiest sort of basest thing that Mm -hmm. they can find right um and it really you know once you get to the point of the film where thaddeus is wearing uh, the minotaur's dick around his neck did you watch i was just kind of like (laughs) okay all right did you watch the unrated version I did watch the unrated yeah, version. Yeah, so did I. I think that yeah, the, I, the dick probably would, didn't figure too prominently in the R-rated version. It has to have. The whole last 20 or 30 minutes of the film, he's got it around his neck. Well, what else would have been in the would have been cut from it, you think? Probably just the scene where the Minotaur is banging the hell out of Courtney, his <laughs> assistant. It's like three, three minutes or so uh, was cut to make, the, of material. to make the R-rated version. But anyway, I mean... Yeah, it's well, it's all sex stuff. I can almost guarantee you yeah. all 
sort of raunchy stuff. Now, I, what did you think of this? I'm curious <laughs> to know because I, I, I thought it was, I thought it just failed as a comedy. I thought it succeeded as a comedy, as a lowbrow comedy, as a, as a, a sort of a really the kind of comedy that I used to watch when I was much younger and and be really? and be entertained by. Yeah, I mean, let let me just say like. In some ways, the just the whole concept I find quite appealing, and the, right. the concept this is the type of sort of like almost anachronistic, well, definitely anachronistic type of oh, film yeah. where, like Woody Allen's Love and Death, which is a very good comedy and a, a very you know just a good film overall. You've got you know people who are using modern day colloquialisms in this sort of setting where we've grown up thinking that the, that people don't talk that way in in these films about right. about the middle ages you know it's like and it's it's a playful conceit that you know i was like okay well i think i'm going to enjoy this movie and yeah no it's not it's not witty at all very much so it's it's not there's no intelligent comedy it's all broad um oh, yeah. but i find myself enjoying it because it was it was the kind of humor that it seemed like David Gordon Green and Danny McBride and Ben Best, who all went to school at School of the Arts together, there yeah. seemed to be a, a certain kind of rapport between the whole cast that I kind of enjoyed. I felt like I was in on the joke, even if the joke was less than stellar. Right. But I thought, yeah, I was, I was entertained. I thought that some of the supporting characters we haven't mentioned yet were very entertaining, like Charles Dance. Charles Dance, uh, yeah, just... who, who plays Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones, <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, this... uh, also plays the the patriarch in this film. Right, and these they came out the same year, actually. Yeah. So Toby Jones does an excellent job, I think, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Damian Lewis. Well, he was a bit underused, I thought. Yeah, but I, you know, I enjoy him. And I, I actually thought Justin Thoreau was really funny too. I thought that he, he he had maybe some of the best anachronistic scenes. The way maybe. he would be like, you know, he's this like evil, you know, sorcerer, but he would be behaving like like a snotty millennial. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, at some point he he says, "Me, a young boy of 19." And of course, he looks like he's about 40. <laughs> 40 or 50. Um, <laughs> so, it, you know, that's obviously supposed to play as a joke. And it does in some ways. In some ways. Um, but, yeah, I here's the interesting thing that I find about this is that, okay, yeah, there seems to be a rapport. They're certainly on the same page, the writers and the sort of cast. And it is kind of the stable of, of people. Uh, David Gordon Green is one of those actors who can get the same people to be in film after film after film or project after project. Mm -hmm. um, and this was a, a letdown for me a little bit because mm -hmm. of the other work that he's done that is in a similar vein. Yeah. Pineapple Express, which is a stoner comedy, uh -huh. I think is worlds better than this. Okay. Uh, Eastbound and Down, which is just a 100% raunch fest, which is the HBO series right. starring Danny McBride. Uh, like just such a raunch fest and so funny, but also very tender and poignant. And uh, it has a lot of those hallmarks of the like really great David Gordon Green uh, dramas that he's made. 
that sort of like sneak in kind of under the radar mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of those those episodes of, of Eastbound and Down. And that's just not present here at all. This seems like this seems like the uh, the the trimmings from the beast. You know, they they're done cutting the the really nice juicy part of the animal mm-hmm. to eat, and then it's all the 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 stuff that is left behind. This is like this is like their their cutting room floor for all their jokes. It seems like to me, it's it's all the leftovers from all their other good ideas. Well, but that's I mean, if if I were to take that literally, then that wouldn't exactly fit because all the jokes that no, all the jokes that are in this movie are from an entirely different world. No, no, I, I know. I'm not saying I'm not intending that you take that literally. I'm saying it feels like half ass. It feels like unfinished material. Mm-hmm. It feels like the stuff that they threw out and then patched together into a film. Like if like maybe there's a Your Highness that's like a platonic ideal of a film that exists somewhere, and this is the the Your Highness, you know, the flawed your lo- mankind's version of of Your Highness. Your lowness. That, yeah, that that just doesn't have the that you know verve or anything. Uh, well. I guess I, I don't know if a consensus can really be reached, and that's fine. That's what discourse is all about. But oh, yeah, I, I, know, I, know. I just think that uh, I really have no no explanation or no justification really as to why you should like this film uh, because what you've been saying I think is makes perfect sense. It's just a matter of... Um, Taste. Taste. It's a matter of maybe expectations. Uh, before I watched this movie, that might, that might be a part of it. That might be a part of I it. Before I watched this movie, I knew that it had a 5.6 on IMDb, and uh, I was prepared for something resembling a desultory experience. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but I think that uh, here, here's maybe, here's maybe the the problem that I have with it is like where this movie kind of fits into the the canon of this type of film, right? Is that it is not... Uh, it doesn't live up to some of the movies. It, like, there's plenty of stoner comedies, and a lot of them are terrible. And some of them that people love, I think, are terrible. Things like Super Troopers, which I think is a garbage mm-hmm. comedy. People really love it. People think it's a, you know, quote-unquote classic. But I, I would say look at something like Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, Right? which I think is a masterpiece of comedy. I think every second of it is brilliant. Mm-hmm. But it has an energy and it has like a forward momentum to it that this movie doesn't have. This movie just is like seems like it was made while everybody was high, which it might have been. But it seems like it like it's just got that that low energy that sort of like it it doesn't have any forward momentum and so like it like stakes never really seem to matter. It's it just kind of it's just kind of out there, mm-hmm. flowing along very slowly. You watch a Cheech and Chong movie or something like that, and it's got like, it's got, there's so much happening, and it's happening fast for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like those jokes are like right on top of one another. This one, you could go two or three minutes between quips, you know, and and it it just felt lazy and slow. Lazy. Okay, yeah. Well, it's true. It doesn't have that kind of that rapid fire quality that like, for example, Love and Death had. Where it's right. like really just, and that, that Love and Death also has this, this style of throw everything at the wall and see if it sticks. 
but because the jokes come so fast in Love and Death that right. it do, almost doesn't matter if something doesn't work. But um, maybe when I mentioned earlier about how this is the kind of movie that I would have really that the child in me was really appealed uh, was found really appealing. Yeah. Um, this movie also is kind of an affectionate send up of this genre picture of sword and sorcery, you know, yeah. knights and princes and princesses. And, uh, there's even a very, I mean, this has got to be an undeniable homage to clash of the Titans with the mechanical bird, um, that, that well, yeah, there's the mechanical bird and the pulling of the head of the Cyclops out right. of a sack. Like clear, clear references to Clash of the Titans. There's clear references to uh, other great fantasy films. Um, certainly, the 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 soothsayer, the sage that they go to visit to get this magical compass uh-huh. that will lead them to Lazar's, you know, lair. They get from this uh, actual practical puppet. Yes, yeah. creature, which was which was very nice to see actually, and was actually I I found to be pretty funny in the way that it was. Uh, being used like the the actual puppeteering was quite yeah humorous uh but then they turned they just turned like you know clearly that's that's sort of like a yoda kind of uh send up or a labyrinth kind of a, mm-hmm. uh uh character but then they, they just turn it into a dirty old man <laughs> joke like it just becomes a dirty old man joke and it, it's like oh that's so disappointing like you could have done so many millions of things with this idea and granted i i'm not somebody who thinks that you should judge a movie on what it you wish it could have been, right? It's the movie that we have. It's the movie that's there on film. Uh-huh. We we deal with the movie that we had, but it's it, it, I can't help but look at that and just say that's the weakest and easiest joke. And then they just play it like a bunch of times, and like they just hit that joke like five times and then exit the scene. And it's like, well, okay, <laughs> I guess that's all you had. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I mean that. And then they and then they make a half-assed attempt at a at a a getting high joke where he he says handle your shit, and it's like uh, uh uh is that funny? I don't know. I don't what like I don't know what's funny about this scene. Why is that funny? Well, in this context, it doesn't make any sense. Well, the if I could sum up the philosophy of this film briefly, the philosophy of yeah. the comedy in this film, it would be just anachronistic juxtaposition it the whole the whole style but the style of humor i mean we we talked about this already but it's it's all about it's completely inappropriate for people to behave this way in this genre film yes yeah i would agree with that and when i i mean there's this it's it's a childlike film it's it's like if children had a lot of experience smoking pot they might have come up with a film like this (laughs) and it's there's nothing witty about it but when you are when you're dealing with a revered genre such as something that takes you outside of the world that we know it such as a fantasy or a sword and sorcery type of, or a type epic yeah. like that um, and you you really love it you start to think well you know how would i do in this type of a world like what would what type of adventure would i have or like how would i fit in with right. these knights and these trolls and magicians and all that. And you start to think, what if, what if somebody from, you know, my world, my contemporary world 
was was it was in this world, and then wouldn't it be funny if they behaved like they were totally a fish out of water? Yeah, but you know, like on the one hand, you have a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court, and then on the other hand, you have this. You know, I mean, granted, that's Twain. You know, it's <laughs> it's literature in in a sense, but it's this is not, and I'm not asking that this aspire to something of that caliber. I'm just saying that there's a way to do that without just resorting to just poorly executed jokes. Just a ton of poorly executed jokes. Well, okay. Fair enough. I mean, then you might, I mean, you might get, end up with a very highbrow film, I guess, if you, if you sort of change this, the style of humor. No, no, I know. I wouldn't even say that because I would not call Harold and Kumar go to White Castle a highbrow film. Yeah, by any stretch of the imagination, but it is brilliant because the execution of every joke, the pacing of every bit in that entire film is perfect. It's just, it's just relentless. They just kill it, boom, 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 and every joke is a separate idea and a separate thought, and they mine different territory for each joke. Like some of the jokes are, you know, they'll they'll mine the territory of of you know. Uh, sort of casual racism and then they'll mine the territory of frat boy behavior. Then they'll mine the territory of urinal etiquette and they'll, you know, like all these, they'll go in a lot of different directions. And so you, you cover a lot of different lowbrow things, but in a very smart way Mm -hmm. in this film, it's just like sex, sex, fart, drugs. Ha. And that's like, that's the extent of it. It's such, it doesn't even, it doesn't even rise to the level of a lowbrow movie like Harold and Kumar. Which I think is, I honestly think is a brilliant film. Okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think David Gordon Green, he oscillates <laughs> between making these silly comedies, uh, oftentimes with people he knows, and then he makes these very dramatic um, films. Some of them I really like. But even, but even there, I would say Pineapple Express is a lowbrow comedy, but with stakes and with of of decent plot and and characters that you care about and it does a whole lot of lowbrow stuff a lot of the gags in that movie are really lowbrow uh-huh. eastbounded down is constantly lowbrow i mean kenny powers as a character is just like pure raunch just everything about him is lowbrow but but he the way that david gordon green and and jody hill who who directed a lot of the episodes the way that they uh mine the material to find the really human elements and find the really poignant moments in it, make it something better, but it's still funky and and raunchy and not for everybody and all that kind of stuff. But it's also brilliant at the same time. Mm -hmm. And this just, it never, it never rises above the, the raunch. Interesting. Yeah. I I think that, uh, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a half-assed movie. Um, yeah. And I think everybody kind of realized what they were making. I mean, even Natalie, oh, Natalie yeah. Portman, you know, for God bless her, she's an Oscar-winning serious actress, and she she played her role in this film straight and uh, took it seriously because she realized yeah. she knew that's what her role was. She was the straight woman. She yep. realized that by playing it serious, it would be funnier. Um, she appeared, you know in scant attire at times, which yep. I think really enhanced the film. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
all all three seconds of that. <laughs> I I probably wasn't any different between the R version and the unrated version. I wouldn't I'd imagine probably no. not. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, I think these people knew they were making a lark. They were they were having a laugh, and uh, I guess yeah, I guess which is fine. What 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 you makes know? what makes it more palatable for me too is because I feel like that it is just uh, it's a goof. It's it's something that everybody knows. They're they're doing something that's that's kind of dumb, and uh, they're they're doing yeah. it within the framework of this fantasy type uh, situation, and uh, it's just kind of it's amusing to people who who really sort of revere fantasy films because for obvious reasons because they're totally being irreverent about it, right. and uh, I think you know I think I, I understand your position. I think you understand my position. Yeah, I absolutely. I think, and I don't think that we're going to convince each other of anything here. But I don't. I, I think that it's a, a testament to the, or it's a, a comment on the quality of the film or the the nature of the film that we don't feel as strongly about it. You know, it's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. There's not much we can do about it. It's just something that I happen not to like because I I ask I ask more of my comedy. And and it hurts me. It hurts me to see like jokes just fall completely flat. And I felt like that's what what happened so often in this film. Interesting. Well, I'll probably. I mean, I think I can safely say I'll never watch it again. I can't imagine <laughs> any reason why I'd watch it again. But I enjoyed it. Um, so so kudos, Monty. I, I I wonder what Monty thinks about this film. Oh, we can we can find out. Hopefully, he'll comment on that's it right. in our comment section on our blog. If you're listening, Monty. Please tell us what did you think of Your Highness. Yeah. Yeah, we we'd be curious to take the conversation to the interwebs. Indeed. Indeed. So join us in our next episode when we will be talking about the new release coming out this weekend, X-Men Days of Future Past. Knights in white satin <laughs> never reaching the end. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, this is I I I'm both excited and terrified about this film because it is it is taking one of the great story arcs of the X-Men comic book franchise and making a 2-hour movie out of it which is worrisome. Mm. It's a very big story arc and there's a lot that happens in it. And the last time they tried to do that with an X-Men franchise was with X-Men 3 X-Men United where they sort of tried to do a really watered down version of the Dark Phoenix saga and it did not work. Mm. It was bad, so I'm I'm a little worried, but you know, it does have Michael Fassbender in it, so all might be well. He has the magic touch, I believe. He's amazing. Yeah, I think he's pretty great too. Yeah, so please join us for that, and uh, we'll see you next time. Have a good one.